training on how to set up a computer for, uh, for a new user. So I've walked him through how to do it, and then at the end of the uh, at the end of that time, we had him wipe the computer and start over, and I told him he's going to do this several times because the best way to learn is to do it over and over. The best way to learn something new is to make it where it's not something new any longer. It is something that you've done several times, and you're able to, to grasp that and do it well. And so good teachers know that one of the most effective ways to learn for a student is repetition, a, a Astute preachers recognize the power of driving home a point by saying the same thing over and over, but in different ways, uh, restating the truth in different terms. And and John does this same thing uh, in his letter. And in our passage that we're going to look at this evening, uh, he begins his third pass over the foundations of the faith, the bedrock of the faith, and what we need to be looking for uh, for authentic Christianity. So once again, John turns to the importance of the belief in the truth of God's Word. He refocused once more on the doctrinal test, and he emphasizes the need to obey sound teaching. Scripture presents stern warnings against false doctrine. Ever since the temptation of Eve, Satan has sought to try to distort and to deny God's Word. He is the ultimate demonic source behind all false teachers and behind all false doctrine. And in the section that we're going to study tonight, John gives two tests to determine truth from error and false teachers from true teachers. So let's jump into it tonight. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, and it says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So he says, test the spirits. We need to test the spirits. And as, as he concluded the last chapter, chapter 3, uh, by closing the discussion, we had been talking about this external evidence toward, uh, to, to what a true believer looks like. And he turns to looking toward the internal evidence that the Spirit of God has given us. And so that mention of the Holy Spirit prompts John to inform his readers that yes, there is the Holy Spirit that speaks to you internally and and is a seal upon you and and guarantees your salvation, but there's also these other spirits that exist. Uh, These other spirits are not good spirits. They are demonic spirits. They are minions of Satan, and they produce false teachers to propagate their false doctrine. And so therefore, John said that we need to test the spirits. We need to test the spirits. This term means that we have to examine them. We have to interpret what they're saying. To test is a, is a metallurgist term that's used to assess metals uh, to determine their purity and determine their value. In the New Testament, Christians are urged to test any teaching, any teaching at all. We are to test it with a view to either approve it or to disapprove it by rigorously comparing it to the truth that we have contained in the Scriptures. Compare it to the Scriptures to see if it is true, and if, it is, if the believer is discerning, and they examine the preached Word carefully and soberly, and they find it to be in accordance with the Word of God, then they are to embrace it as the truth. On the other hand, if, 
If they find that it is not in accordance with Scripture, then it is, to, it is determined to be false and is to be shunned completely. These false teacher, teachings are spread by false teachers. You know them. I know them. We've studied many of them uh, and discussed many of them. But by juxtaposing these, these spirits with the false prophets, John was reminding his readers that these, these human teachers, behind these human teachers are these false, uh, of these false teachers and false doctrine and these errors. It's not just them coming up with it on their own. There are these false, are, are these evil spirits that are providing, providing these false teachings. Human false prophets and teachers are the, the physical expression of a demonic spiritual source behind them. Jesus himself said in the book of Mark, he said, For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and will perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And so therefore he taught in the book of Matthew chapter 7 in his Sermon on the Mount, Be on guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. So here John is, he's not saying something new, but he, rather he's repeating something that he's heard Jesus himself say. He's heard Jesus himself teach this. And so he's saying, this is what you need to do. Be aware, test the spirits. So he goes on in, in verse 2. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And so, first, he looks at the Spirit of God. What does the Spirit of God look like? So, so if we're to test the spirits, how can you tell if it's the Spirit of God versus a demonic spirit? And so, John gives us a simple test and this measuring stick that we have to determine whether the messenger is a demon spirit or whether it's the Holy Spirit. And, and it's all based on one person, Jesus. The crux of the test is the rejection or the acceptance of Jesus Christ as the incarnate Son of God. In the confession that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God, there is a great truth implied and there's a great truth that's asserted. A great truth that's implied and a great truth that's asserted. The asserted truth is that Christ was incarnate. Christ was incarnate. That means that Jesus did not just come to earth, but he, that he came to earth in the flesh. Now, false teachers have tried to, to twist this teaching by claiming that Christ came upon this man named Jesus who was uh, of the city of Nazareth. He came as a spirit at his baptism and that he left him at the time of the crucifixion. So the, the Jesus that died on the cross was just a man and, and the Jesus that lived up to the time of his baptism was just a man. But during that time period uh, between his baptism and his crucifixion that Jesus was then the Christ because the spirit came upon him. This is not a biblical teaching at all. In fact, some have claimed that Jesus came only as a spirit, that he was a ghost, more or less, that he did not possess a human body, that, that he was some sort of poltergeist, uh, and, and that's not true either. 
Um, others have tried to wrestle with the idea that Jesus Christ had a, a human body uh, because they had their reasoning was exalted above the scriptures. And their reasoning dictated that if it was physical, then it had to be evil. That was a Greek Gnostic teaching that the physical, the physical material that, can, that is the earth and human beings and all things in it is, is evil by nature. And the fact that Jesus would unite with, as God would unite with a physical being or a physical union or that he would become flesh himself was butting up against this idea that this perfect holy deity and this evil, horrible fleshiness were coming together in one person. And so they dictated then that uh, that they would have to deny that Christ had a physical being. But John says that to deny the assertion that Christ has come in the flesh is a false teaching from satanic spirits. Jesus did indeed come in the flesh, which teaches us something about the flesh. The flesh is not inherently evil. It can be good. And Jesus shows us how it can be good, but it has to re- be redeemed by him. And in fact, Paul teaches us that when, when he returns, we will be giving a, give, given a new human body. It will be a fleshly body, but it will be a perfect body. It will be incorruptible, and it will be immortal. And so to say that Christ was not in the flesh is to deny what the Scriptures teach, is to deny Jesus as who he says he is and who he is taught as in the scriptures, and that is a false teaching from the devil. And so that's the asserted truth. But then there's this implied truth in the passage, and that implied truth is the pre-existence of Jesus the Christ. It says that he came from God. So what does John mean when he says that he came from God? Now, one could argue that what John means is that he was sent by God, uh, which is true. He was sent by God. He, he was definitely sent by God, but there's more to it than that. Because we could say, look at that angel. The angel was sent by God to help me or to help this, uh, this biblical f- uh, figure in their time of need. God sent an angel to help them. Or we might even say that about a person. You know, when we're stranded on the side of the road, uh, the, you know, this past Past week, I had surgery on, on a Thursday of last week, and we were heading down I-40, and all of a sudden, uh, our alternator had gone bad, and we didn't know it, and all of a sudden, we were stranded on the side of the road, and, and thankfully, we weren't far from Warner, where we had you know just moved from. We have some friends there, so we were able to call them, and, and you know they were able to come and help us, and so we could say that Tyler and Vicki were sent by God to help us at that time. We could say that. We could say that about Jesus. He was sent by God. But that's not what John says here. He says that Jesus was not sent by God, but that he was sent from God. Now, not to make a a big deal over one word, but seriously, this is important because Jesus was not just sent by God. He was sent by God, but not just sent by God. He was from God. He was God. He was 
from God because He was begotten by the Father. Jesus is the Son, the only begotten Son of God. Begotten of the Father and sent by Him to come to earth as a man who is fully God, fully man. He's not a demigod, but He is 100% man, 100% God. So in other words, John says that the Holy Spirit will testify to the truth of what the Scriptures say about who Jesus is. He will testify to the truth about Jesus. And Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 15. When the counselor, that is, the, you notice the capital C there, when the counselor comes, the Spirit comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he also comes from the Father, he will testify about me. He will testify about Jesus. So once again, John is not teaching something that he came up with on his own, but he's reiterating what Jesus himself had taught. The Holy Spirit will testify in accordance with the Scriptures concerning Jesus of Nazareth as the incarnate Son of God. But continue on in verse 3. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And so we see the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist. So you have the, the Holy Spirit on the one hand that testifies to the person of Jesus as the incarnate Son of God who was pre-existent, who came as a man incarnate, God incarnate in the flesh. But on the other hand, these demonic spirits, these spirits of the Antichrist, and remember we we talked about Antichrist a few weeks ago, that that means that they are uh, against or in the place of Christ. They deny the true nature of the Son. And so when the Antichrist comes, he will not be teaching some new concept but it will be the ultimate embodiment of all that the Antichrist spirits have been perverting the truth and propagating these satanic lies since the very beginning. The distinguishing characteristic of these demonic spirits is that they are against Christ. They want to deny Christ as the Son of God, as the incarnate Son of God, as the perfect Son of God, Or they want to deny him as 100% human. And so rather than proclaiming the Jesus that is described in the scriptures, they want to twist his identity. They want to say, well, well, this Jesus, he, he was a good teacher. They want to say this Jesus was a good prophet. That's what the Muslims teach, that Jesus was a prophet. And so he is just a prophet. Others want to teach that he was uh, just this morally upright man. A lot of deists like this teaching, that, that God set all things into motion as creator God. He, he is the creator, and then he stepped away and let the world run on his own. And then Jesus came, and, and he taught us not that he was the Son of God, not that we were in need of redemption for our sins, but taught us how to be morally upright. And, and that's not what the Scriptures teach us. 
Some want to say that he was just a man who had a special God consciousness. And this, this would be what, uh, what uh, liberal theology would teach us, that, that Jesus was a man who had a special connection to God. He wasn't God himself, but that he had a special connection to God, and, and this, this religion is some, something that is a personal experience uh, that we must uh, try to reach a spiritual height of Jesus and, and knowing God on a special consciousness level. And it's almost like this mysticism, and it's all this personal thing that you're trying to accomplish uh, on your own, and that's not, that's not Scripture. That's not scriptural at all. It's not biblical, uh, but it may sound good to many. In fact, it has captured many. These false teachings have captured the majority, but they're a lie from Satan. They're anti-Christal. Paul put it in this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here John was saying that these antichrist spirits have perverted the truth about Jesus and they've led people astray. But there are two types of spirits. There's one that is greater than the other. And so he goes on in verse 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so we see the greater spirit. The greater spirit. Believers need to be aware and alert to false teaching. They need to be understanding that there are demonic spirits that are teaching things that are against Scripture, but we don't have to be afraid of them. We don't have to be afraid of false teachers. We don't have to be afraid of demonic spirits. When truth comes against lies, the truth wins. So if you've already come to a saving knowledge of Christ, then you've already overcome these lies of Satan to reach the truth of God. But there is a spiritual battle being waged over every single person who has ever lived, is living, or ever will live on this earth. And these satanic lies are trying to keep everybody away from godly truth. But once you have the truth, Jesus says, the truth sets you free. You're no longer bound by the lies. You're no longer uh, bound by the chains of sin, but you're able to live in the liberty of Christ. And we just celebrated Independence Day and, and the freedom that we have. And so we're able to celebrate that liberty that we have, not in, in what man has done to secure us in our country, but what Christ has done to secure our freedom and liberty in Him. We no longer walk in darkness, but we walk in God's marvelous light, as John said. Those who have experienced new birth in Christ receive the indwelling of a greater spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so we have this built-in check against false teaching. Jesus taught that not even Satan's host with their perversions can take us out of the Lord's hands. The verb translated here as have conquered is in the perfect tense in the Greek. It means that the victory has been won and the results continue into the future. Henry Alford remarks, it is faith outrunning sight. The victory is certain. The victory is certain because the victory is not our victory. We get to join into it, but it's not ours. 
It's God's. We just get to rest in it. The Spirit of God is the one who has won the victory. In, uh, in 2 Kings, the, the Assyrians were coming against uh, the king uh, of Judah. And listen to what, what happened there. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. He will not enter the city, shoot an arrow here, come before it with a shield, or build up a siege ramp against it. He will go back the way he came, and he will not enter this city. This is the Lord's declaration. I, the Lord, will defend this city and rescue it for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. And then listen to this. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 soldiers in the camp of the Assyrians. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. And so the king of Assyria broke camp and he left. He returned home and he lived in Nineveh. We can trust when God says he has the victory for he is greater than anything that Satan and his demonic forces can throw our way. We're running out of time, so let's look real quick at verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6, John, 1 John chapter 4. It says, They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. So this is what John says. This is how you discern between truth and error right here. So while John says that you, the Christian, are from God, they, the false prophets, are from the world. The world is the realm of evil and the realm of hostility towards God. And so they are evil prophets. And because they are of the world, they speak from a worldly perspective. They derive their inspiration, they derive their message from the world, and they teach a religion that promotes reason above God's Word. They teach a religion in which there is no one right way to God. They say, no matter which way, which religion you choose, you're going to get to God just the same. They say it doesn't matter if you're a Buddhist. It doesn't matter if you're a Hindu. It doesn't matter if you're an unfulfilled Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Muslim. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian. You're all going to the same way. It doesn't matter if you're a pagan. We're all going to paradise when we die. But that is teaching from a worldly perspective. And listen to this. The world listens to those who speak its language. The world listens to those who speak its language because it tickles their ears. They like what they hear. And so they adhere to it. If you eliminate the obligation in Christianity, if you eliminate the obligation of righteousness, if you eliminate the necessity of love, if you eliminate the need to have faith in the divine personality of Jesus Christ, then if you take all of that away, what remains is a teaching that the world will applaud because this altered message, in it, there is echoes of their own sentiments. But John says, we are of God. 
And notice John includes himself here because those who believe in the message that John is promoting, the message that he himself has received from Jesus Christ, we hold to the teachings of the Scriptures, we are of God. We are not of this world, but we are of God. We don't receive our inspiration, we don't receive our message from the world, but from the Word. While people that know God love to hear the message of God, those who are of the world don't want to hear it. They do not want to hear that in order to be saved and go to heaven, in order to have eternal paradise, you have to repent of your sin and live a godly life. You have to be sanctified and justified by the power of the Spirit. They don't want to hear that. Because that's not the message of the world. The message of the world says, you know what? Do what you want. Do what you want, but live a life that looks good. And you will be a-okay. But God's Word elicits a positive response from God's people because there's a deep and a real affinity between the person of God and the Word of God. Jesus put it this way. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Earlier in the passage, before he says that, he says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out, and when he has brought all his own outside, he goes out ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. And so he said in in John chapter 8, The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. Therefore, to know the spirit of truth from the spirit of error, there is one test. There's one primary test, and then there's a secondary test. But the primary test is, does the teaching align with the Bible? Does the teaching align with the Bible? The Old Testament and the New Testament are the sole standards by which all teaching is to be tested. Demonically inspired teachers either reject the teaching that is found in God's Word, or they try to add elements to it. And so, therefore, we need to cling to the truth of God's Word. The second test is that. Do we cling to God's Word? If you want to know if you're a discerning person, if you're a discerning Christian, it will be based on your love of the Word of God. If you live a life of love for the Word of God, you can know that you're living in a proper discernment by the power of the Spirit. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. We will live in accordance with it. We will defend the word of God because we live by the word of truth. John wrote at the end of Revelation, I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book 
If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book of Revelation. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city which are written about in this book. So let us cling to the truth of God's word that is revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures, in His Bible. Let us have a spirit of discernment to determine if a teaching is something that is, that is scriptural and is of God, or is it a teaching that is of the devil. Let us love the Word of God, for in it is all truth. There is no error contained within its pages. It is 100% true. There is no falsehood within it. It is completely uh, it is completely inerrant, and it is completely holy. It is completely trustworthy. It is unchanging. So let us hold His Scripture, His Word, in the highest esteem and compare everything else, test everything else by it. If it is in accordance with the Scriptures, embrace it as truth. If it is against the Scriptures, reject it as falsehood, and walk away from it. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can know that it is the ultimate source of all truth. Lord, that we know that within its pages there is no error, there is no inconsistency, there is no falsehood, but it is 100% totally true, and we can trust it to live our lives by and to test the spirits and to test false teachings against it. Lord, thank you so much for revealing your word to us, revealing yourself to us, revealing your son to us, that we may have salvation by calling upon his name and trusting in his word. God, I pray that if there's anyone that's heard this message tonight and they don't know you, they haven't placed their faith and their trust in in the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ, who came as a baby, lived among us a perfect life, who died a cruel death upon a Roman cross to pay the penalty for our sin, to take the death that was upon us because of our sin, but that rose again by the power of the Spirit of God on the third day to provide the salvation that we needed to provide the victory over death that we needed. God, I pray that they would come to salvation today. Let today be the day of salvation. God, give us that have already accepted your Son. Give us a love for your Word. Let us devote ourselves to it. Let us meditate upon its meanings. Let us ponder its truths. Let us hold it in the highest esteem. and Let us test our lives and all teaching against it. God, help us to become servants of righteousness, people who live in holiness. Let us become not just your sons and daughters by the power of the, of the blood of Christ, but by our love for you and the things that you love. Help us to reject sin and embrace your holiness. And we pray this, God, knowing that it can only be done by the power of your Spirit and by the blood 
of your Son who died for us. So we pray this in His holy and precious name and by the power of your Spirit. Amen.